a time, a small town boy from the south traveled across the ocean to the island of love called Cyprus. He grew into a fine young man on a mission to preach the gospel to the whole world. Then, one day, when he least expected it, he met a Polish girl. Risking it all, he asked her out on a church date. It didn't take long before they fell in love and lived happily ever after. Hold on, I missed the best part. They had a son, later diagnosed with autism, which changed everything. Then two years later, they welcomed a little girl with a heart of gold and a will of iron. They were missionaries and autism parents trying to keep the faith and sanity. Each week, they'll share their journey of love, faith, hope, special needs parenting, and everything else in between. Here is The Preacher and the Polish Girl. Do they go together like a horse and carriage? Like a horse and cabbage. Well, it is February, so that means we have to talk all things love. Mm, let's talk about that. So, how do you think love, marriage, ministry, and special needs parenting, how do you think those merge in a perfect blend? Yeah, how do they come together? Like a horse and cabbage? Like a, like a horse and cabbage. <laughs> only only Ula Tinsley, folks. Only Ula Tinsley could turn love and marriage into... It's all, you know... I, something I about cabbage. The, I, ba- I blame the cultural differences. Yeah, cabbage, you know, Polish. Well, it's, very, it's very Polish, Polish, yeah. Yes. Valentine's Day and... Cabbage. It's all about cabbage. <laughs> and Guam keys. No, let's be serious. Because love is a living organism... It is. We have to water it, nourish it. Yep. It needs a lot of TLC. It needs a lot of attention. Sometimes taming. Sure. Mm. Yes. But love is foundational to life. It's foundational to our faith. It's foundational to family. Yeah. It's how families get started in the first place. Two people meet. They fall in love. and They eat cabbage. They eat cabbage. Sure. And then the babies pop (laughs) in the cabbage field. (laughs) Cabbage see, Patch Kids. I told you. Yeah, I see what it's you... It's all about yeah, that cabbage. Made, that worked out well. And you brought horses. it all together. You brought it all together in the end. No, let's be serious. I wanted to talk about the pre-parenting era. You remember the love, falling in love and everything so... <sighs> the romance. The romance. The dating, the... Being able to... Courtship. Yeah, being able to just decide on a whim. Hey, let's go to the movies. Hey, let's go to this restaurant. Hey, you hang up. No, you hang up. No, you hang up. <laughs> you stop typing. No, you yeah. stop typing. Yes. Yeah, the modern era. Yes. <laughs> sure. Good times. But why is it different? What changed, do you think? Because there is a difference between pre-marriage love, then you get married, your love matures, mm-hmm. then you have the fruit of your love. Sure. The babies pop out from cabbage. Yep. And then, yeah, what are the differences? I would say to me, looking back, when we met and I was just, you know, I'm not ashamed to say this, and, mm-hmm. I'm, and I still feel this way. I was, I was head over heels about this little lady here. So I wanted to get to know her. I wanted to spend as much time as I could with her. I wanted to impress her. I wanted to make her feel safe. I wanted her to feel beautiful, all those things. 
And I still wanted those things after we married. But mm-hmm. one big change, I remember the biggest thing that clicked for me the day of our vows, the day that we actually tied the knot officially. Mm-hmm. I remember that night, my love, no, yeah, my love didn't dissipate at all. My love didn't dwindle at all. Mm-hmm. But this big word came rushing into my life that I'd never really accounted for. Mm-hmm. Commitment. Yes. Commitment not like... I'm going to be committed to this girl not for the rest of my life. Not, yeah. not that type of commitment. It was, mm-hmm. wow, this is another human that I need to be as a husband. I need to be responsible for. I need to protect. You know, I'm on the front lines of her life. And now, of course, she's an adult and she she has the ability to take care of herself. She knows what she needs, but just we become one. And so for me, I got this sense of commitment and I realized that it's time to, you know, to be a husband and to be the protector, to be the provider. So for me, that was what changed. That was the biggest change for me. What about you? I don't know. It was it was nice to know that I found someone who loves me, who knows me enough to want to marry me and spend hopefully the rest of his life with me. So that was like, wow, this is my human. Yes. <laughs> That, that sense that, you know, this is the person that I wake up to and we're going to see each other at our lowest moments. We're going to see each other at our best no, moments. No, I didn't think about the lowest moments. Well, no. It was all still no. very... Well, sure. I, didn't... I, I was seeing you like, oh, I wonder how our babies will look like. Sure. If we're going to have babies. Because, yes. of course, when we got married, you were very gracious to accept the medical diagnosis that I shared with you that most likely I will never have children. But God had different plans. You know, I never really doubted it because I, 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 know, just, I, I just had this sense that we were going to have children. And so it was never something that I really feared or, or shot away I from. I was kind of like Sarah, I guess, because I was like talking about adoption because you really trusted God that you will have son and mm-hmm. daughter of your own one day. And I was like, yeah, okay, so he wants children. So probably we'll have to adopt. And we discussed the option of adoption, remember? When I told you my diagnosis and the doctor's opinion. And you were like, well, there are so many beautiful children that are looking for loving parents. So Vaguely, if I'm just blatant as I can be, mm-hmm. I remember that maybe... It maybe we're just trying to Very, very vaguely. <laughs> yeah. Very vaguely. Right. Yes. But I believe you. Yeah. You know, relationships are all about trust. And I believe that hmm. we did have this conversation. Do you remember when I gave you cabbage? No. <laughs> <laughs> back to the cabbage. Yeah, what is it with you and cabbage to, today? Know. I think it's February. That's why. Yes. Something no. to do with... But let's talk about maturing love because that changes like we say our vows life changes we move in together we start our life and of course the reality hits the bills hit oh the bills and just you become an adult yes not always the nicest feeling sure because it's like you know it's okay to date and show Mm -hmm. off you pay for my dinner and everything but then we share our life together everything is common Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, my goodness. Okay, so we have joint account. My money is your money. Your money is my money. Ah, that's, that's sure. tough. That's a huge change. It is a huge change. And then when you start to pay your bills, your rent, your you know, you start to try to furnish the home. Mm-hmm. You know, you want to have as nice a home as, as you possible. Want a bachelor pad style. And I'm like, no, yeah. no, no. We want some flowers and pinky and, and schminky. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever whatever that means. But yes, one of the things I I have to brag about my little wife here, because one of the things that we that I was able to have from the very beginning, the first place we lived together as a married couple, 
I was able to have a man cave. Yes. In that, what was it? The, we had three bedrooms, and that third bedroom was mine to have my guitars and keyboard and yes. stuff from my childhood. So that was great. You've always been good about that. Yes, I tried. I tried. But do you remember our first house? Of course, we didn't have much money. Nope. And uh, we were still trying to begin our life as a married yes. couple. And the living room was very 80s. It was the decor that was already <laughs> there because we were renting a fully furnished place. Yeah, so fully furnished. Yeah. High sparkle, high gloss, fake wood. <laughs> I'm sure I'm sure that furniture was used in numerous MTV 80s videos. <laughs> it was black and red couches yes. and the armchairs. And then the table was glass and very shaky. Eventually I think it collapsed. So um, What were those beautiful side tables you designed? The side tables were amazing because they were Basically, the boxes. <laughs> Cardboard boxes with uh, dish towels. Yes. But I did very, those. very precious memories. Looking back now, those are actually very precious memories. And we're very happy. Even we though, were. you know, we didn't have much, but I didn't mind inviting guests and stuff. Mm. <laughs> because I think people expect that when you're a newly married couple, they, they know unless you were born with a silver spoon or, you know, a real high flying job or something that, yeah. you know, you're, you're not going to have everything right away. Right. And you actually appreciate it more because we did, you know, as, as we both worked and stayed very committed to having the best life possible for ourselves and for our future children. Yes. You know, we ended up with uh, having a lot nicer things. Right. And, you, and you appreciate them. I remember how work. great I felt when I was able to buy you a brand new car, I which know. on a side note turned out to be the lemon of all lemons. But. <laughs> The fact that I could get my new wife a brand new car within, you know, just a couple of years of, of marriage. Yes. For me was a real mountaintop experience as a man. I felt good yes. that I was able to provide Absolutely. that new car for her. Sorry how it turned out, but I still feel good about the accomplishment. Yes. And, and, you know, of course, buying our first home together. All those things happened in Cyprus. You know, it is yes. the island of love after all. It is. As we've mentioned in previous episodes. And not so much about cabbage. No. No, Again with olives. the cabbage. I know. I don't know why. Maybe I'm craving cabbage. I don't know. It's in your roots. You can't help it's it. It's in my roots. But when you factor in love between a brand new couple that you know have fallen in love and want to spend the rest of their lives together, they get married. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, we got thrown a big curveball. Yeah. And it's that third phrase that we mentioned in our intro, and that is special needs parenting. Yes. That is not something that we, well, I use this, we didn't I, I, say this I say this lightly. It's not something we signed up for, but it's, not, it's certainly not something we expected. Mm-mm. And it did throw a major curveball. It did kind of throw yeah. us for a loop at the time. Mm-hmm. And it still presents challenges, but it's part of our lives now. And uh, we're very thankful for the two children that God has blessed us with. But yes, love and marriage, that undergoes many challenges. Mm-hmm. Parenting changes the marital bliss, mm-hmm. especially the the first two years when the baby is born, mm-hmm. when you sleep less. And mm-hmm. when you sleep less, then you become more grumpy because you're more sleep deprived. Then the blame game may begin, you know, sure. like, hey, you know, I keep getting up at night or, you know, I change the diapers. And so the first conflicts in marriage may come with the baby. Sure. I think I think probably your biggest arguments 
you know, pre-babies might be finances, but certainly once Sometimes the, jealousy. Sure. If it's like, you know, a very young love. Mm-hmm. But once the kids come, I think once the kids arrive on the scene, that's probably when your first big kind of arguments may come. Yeah. How did we resolve those? Well, for a man, I would say that one of the changes, one of the things that we have to learn to be selfless and less selfish Uh is we find out when you get the new baby in your life that you can't be. It doesn't mean that your wife loves you less, but you can't be the same priority that you were before the baby arrived on the scene. Uh So that that was difficult for a little while, and I had to get used to that. It wasn't that you loved me any less. It's just you and had I a brand new responsibility. And I tried to give you as much attention sure. as I could, but at the same time, I was also getting aggravated because every time I tried to do something, the baby would be waking up hungry mm-hmm. or wet or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that's that's the, life. That's yes. life, yeah. And so you mentioned about maturing love. Mm-hmm. Well, we've been together now. We've been married for... 74 years. 74 years. <laughs> No, it only feels that way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Seriously, we've been married for 17 years. Has it been that long? You, you're looking at me with a, a look of shock. I'm checking the ring. Wait, you're checking the ring. Our ring has engraved date. The date. Oh, wait, I'm looking at the wrong ring. You're looking line. at the wrong ring. This one is from you. Yes. The... Oh, from me, <laughs> as opposed to the other husbands that gave her wedding rings. Okay. Oh, my goodness. Okay, so, yes, 2005. I was right. Thank you. So it's going to be 18. It's going to be 18. It's not 18. Yeah, but kind of. The year. See? The year. See, see how the fights change? Yeah, whatever. As you get older? No, it's like the same with the birthdays. Yeah, I say the year you were born. For example, you were born in 77. Mm-hmm. So in 2023, doesn't matter which month you were born in, that's 2023 minus 1977. Which means I'm 45 until... Six. Six. No, no. I'm not 46 until September 7th. Yeah, but you're 46. I think you've had too much cabbage. <laughs> Maybe. Back to maturing love. Back to maturing love. For 17, us, almost 18 years of marriage. You know, the, the our podcast is called The Preacher and the Polish Girl. And so certainly the preacher part is a big part of our lives uh, because, you know, we are a family. We're a Christian family. We're a family based on the foundation of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And he is the ultimate foundation and he's the ultimate key to our successful marriage. Uh-huh. But I would say what is part of the maturing love? Uh-huh. I would say it is our shared. Yes, it's our shared faith, but it's our shared humor. You know, you learn to laugh at each other in a nice Crickets. way. Not, not, yeah, <laughs> not, in a, not in a cruel way, but we learn to laugh at each other. Tease each other in a non, you know, mean derogatory mm-hmm. way, mm-hmm. and then we learn to laugh. <laughs> then we learn to laugh with each other, and then of course the best is when you laugh at others. No, I'm just kidding. We don't do that. In fact, we have a pretty strong stance in our house about that. But no, it is it is uh, laughter. Yes. Laughter to me is a big part of maturing love, and if you can laugh together, man, you can make it through anything together. Is what I feel. Yes, it's true. So just learning to just look back and say, you know what. That wasn't the best, but you learn to embrace, you know, each other's failures. You learn to embrace the challenges of life. Even and, special needs parenting. Yeah. Now we look back, you know, even though it was stressful, we shed many tears and sure. panic attacks and everything Absolutely. else, you know, that that's not necessarily a laughing matter. But now we can look back and laugh at certain situations mm-hmm. or the way Michael does his hand movement, the Jedi yeah. master control. Sure. <laughs> 
And just he is, well, both of our kids are hilarious at times. Yes. Our Michael is very funny, very mischievous. The way he figures out how to get his way is oh, yes. just keeps you, actually has us rolling in laughter at times, just the things he does to get his way. Mm-hmm. Um, but then our little girl, Vivian, is hilarious. I think we have both rubbed off on her <laughs> in more ways than one, but she yeah. has that kind of shared zany Mm. comedy that, that we have. A little bit sarcastic, a little bit maybe too much sarcastic. Sure, it's all in there, it's, but it's just... She's definitely your daughter. Oh. Oh. Well, <laughs> I take that as a compliment. Why you shoot? Good. Because Michael is my boy, and Vivian is your girl. This is going great. Oh, yes. It's all love. Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> How to keep the fire burning? That's a big question, isn't it? Mm. You know, being in full-time ministry, we have couples that we can look to as kind of heroes, you know, because they've been together a long time. Mm-hmm. Both of our parents on both both sides of our family have been together for over five decades, yes, right? right? So that's great. But then we have couples, you know, who are younger than us, who look to us at times in our position mm-hmm. for guidance. And, of course, we want to um, to be good counselors and good advisors. But to keep the fire burning, I mean, our go-to on that is always going to be keep God first. Mm-hmm. He's the foundation. He has got to be number one in, in both of But then of, people are like, okay, but, but you know what, what I'm talking about. Yeah, but what How else? Can you keep How do you else yes. keep the fire burning? Yes. Well, never stop dating. Sure, but I say communicate. Mm-hmm. That's number one. I think a lot of couples, I didn't hear you. What us, did you say? <laughs> yes, you see what I did there? That was yes, a little... Okay. Uh, I saw what you did there. We're, they saw what you did. We're, we're, oh, I see. <laughs> I see what you did we there. We are communicating. But no, it is absolutely, you're right. It is mm-hmm. communication and it is... Trust. Trust is a big, big key. Yeah. You know, my mom gave me some of the best advice that I've ever heard in my life. And she said years ago to me, before I was married, before I was even seriously dating anyone, Mm -hmm. she said, listen, son, you have to learn to tolerate what you refuse to put a stop to. Wow. And I thought about it for a second. I was like, okay, what does that really mean? Mm -hmm. She goes, listen, if something really bothers you before you marry someone or before you start dating them seriously, if something really bothers you, but you're not willing to confront that and say, listen, this is not something I'm prepared to accept or live with, Mm Then you have to make the lesser joyful decision and say, well, I'm just going to I'm just going to have to accept it and I'm going to have to learn to tolerate Mm -hmm. it. So it's very important in that communication thing that you let each other know what bothers you. And again, it depends how big the thing that bothers you is, mm-hmm. because if it's doctrinal matter or you know faith matter, it's uh, unequally yoked. It could be a huge, huge Absolutely. thing. Absolutely. Or when it comes to medicine and medical procedures, mm-hmm. there is a lot of uh, differences there. And sure. Then the marriage may not survive, especially when you have children and about their future, deciding about their future, and if your life view is different philosophy, then it can be a problem. No secrets. No secrets. That's a big one. No secrets. No personal communication. No going behind one another's back to get to it talk about mean, marriages with a person of the opposite sex. You know, in other words, husbands shouldn't be going behind their wife's back talking to a female friend about their marriage and vice versa. This is not healthy. Mm-hmm. And so that that's a big thing. So certainly trust, communication, no secrets. Don't stop pursuing each other. Right. And don't stop making an effort. Absolutely. You want to look best, not for others or Facebook or Instagram or whatever the new social media is for the young people, 
you want to look good for your husband, for your spouse. And you want to look good for your wife. Well, the spouse, right? Well, yeah, but I was saying for me, I was trying ah, to add okay, my part. yes. Because you said your part about the husband, I want to say that. Oh, okay. Yeah, I was trying to, yes. was trying to reciprocate. Okay. Well, but I don't communicate that well enough. Yes, you're very nice. <laughs> <laughs> so, I would say the greatest benefits of being in a marriage, I mean, there's a lot of things we could say, and we're going to be talking about this in the um, next episode yeah, as well. we're going to be discussing mm-hmm. these subjects throughout the month so this is kind of a all over the place a little bit of everything but we are going to try to get more specific about cabbage about cabbage <laughs> <laughs> but the benefits of being in in a marriage is the fact that you have someone who you're united with and it's a gift from god mm-hmm. and and i will say this in the nicest way possible the physical relationship is a gift from god yes and there's is. no shame and there's nothing that is, um, you know, undefiled in the bed of marriage. So it is, it is something that God honors, and it's the only relationship. It's the only physical relationship that God puts His stamp of approval on. It's not just a man and a woman marrying, but it's a man that loves God and a woman that loves God marrying. Marriage is getting redefined by our culture. Yeah. Uh, and there's all kind of labels, but I would say not only is marriage not the things that modern society are trying to tell us it is. But it's not even just heterosexuals marrying. Mm-hmm. God's true definition of marriage is when two people that love him meet and come together for the purpose of glorifying and honoring him ultimately with their lives. Mm-hmm. Another benefit of being in a marriage is that you can trust your partner, mm-hmm. your spouse, and know that you will not be exposed to any STD sure. or any other diseases and so on that come If you do it with. God's way. Exactly. Yeah. And there's a lot of examples of good marriages in the scriptures, but there's some bad examples too, meaning that these people that were recorded in, in the Bible were just as human as we are, just as flawed. And, you know, there's obviously some very famous figures like Abraham and Sarah, and then, of course, the famous Egyptian handmaid, Hagar. And so people say, well, I mean, is polygamy biblical? Is it acceptable? Polygamy is biblical in this sense. Yes, it's biblical, meaning that it's recorded in the Bible. Right. (laughs) But as far as God approving of it and saying, yes, this is what I intend, no. Mm -hmm. We know that because all the way back in Genesis, we read those powerful words, therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife, one, and they shall be one flesh, back in Genesis 3. Mm-hmm. So that is the cornerstone of life. It's the cornerstone of, of faith. It's the cornerstone of everything is is the fact when a man and woman meet and they become one flesh. Mm-hmm. Now, I've got to correct myself a little bit here because uh-huh, I said Genesis 3, but I'm, but I'm just going to read the verse. Mm-hmm. It's actually recorded, and I knew this, it's actually recorded in Genesis 2. Okay. Genesis 2, verse 24. All right. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. So I quoted it right, but I just had the wrong yes. reference. I yes. had to fix that. Uh-huh. But yes, you know, we have that whole recorded aspect of Abraham and Sarah thinking, well, specifically Sarai, before her name change, mm-hmm. thinking that she needed to help God out, needed to help her husband out. Mm-hmm. You know, he's supposed to be the father of many, and he didn't have any children. So they're like, hey, you can you can have my handmaid. You know, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll fix this problem. God isn't. You know, I don't know how it. she did that. I really don't either. And as a woman, as a wife, I'm like, mm-mm, nah. But it's almost like she got to a point where she thought, you know, God's not. But on the me. other hand, she was a typical woman because we women tend to fix everything. So well, that's traditionally said about men too. 
Yes, but it's in a different manner. Mm-hmm. Like when yeah. God promises something, we take things into our own sure. hands because like, okay, the timing, you know, we're waiting, waiting, waiting. Okay, maybe God meant for me to fix it. Of course not, but yeah. And, you know, the other really famous figure in the scriptures was King Solomon, considered oh, the wisest boy. of all. But, you know, I mean, hundreds of wives and, <laughs> you know. And wow. concubines. Yes. I mean, oh my god. So again, goodness. God allowed some things to happen in those days, but it doesn't mean it doesn't mean that God approved those or things. Or that he instructed uh, And he certainly wasn't following the instructions. Yes. Yeah. yeah. You know, throughout the Bible, you see people like us mm-hmm. making real mistakes, and they're not doing it because they said, "Hey God, what should we do here? What's the best decision?" They trusted their own way and you see mm-hmm. how it turned out. But, you know, nowadays, I go back to the point of redefining marriage. I don't care how people try to redefine marriage and give new twists and new slants, and people are are trying to say that there's Mm -hmm. new information about relationships, you know, there's new legitimate relationships, love is love. No, true love is from God. We know that. But marriage cannot be redefined because man didn't come up with it. Marriage is a design of God. It's an institution ordained by God. And so nowadays, pastors are facing mounting pressure. You know, should yeah. should, should pastor be mandated? To yeah, marry should we same-sex? be mandated to marry uh-huh. same-sex couples? Or and the answer is absolutely not. Right. Because marriage is defined in scriptures; it's not defined by a culture or society. Mm-hmm. And of course, the union between same-sex couple—they want to have some stability and pass on inheritance and have the same legal rights as heterosexual couple. But here's the thing. And we hear that argument, but Mm -hmm. ultimately it comes down to this. You cannot expect Mm -hmm. God's blessing or God's approval when you don't do it God's way. That's right. And so we cannot cave to pressure. We Mm -mm. cannot bow the knee and say, well, this is what people feel is right, so it doesn't matter what God thinks. Mm -hmm. And God will never bless it. No. We cannot redefine what's in the Bible. Mm -mm. We can try to change the definition and interpret our ways, taking it out of but context. God will but never... God put a very simple instructions. Yep. One man, one woman. Absolutely. And so, you know, we are a cultural, how would you say this? Culturally divergent? Is mm-hmm. that the right phrase? Yeah. Yeah. Or no, culturally diverse family. Yes. Or diverse. couple. Yeah. Am I saying that right? I feel yeah. like I'm not saying it right. Well, With cultural me being a deep, yes. uh, you know, a, a deep South boy here from from Easley, South Carolina. You being from the deep, deep north, the center deep north <laughs> of Poland, of, of of Poland. You know, there's differences and even you know cultural differences in how one expresses love. Yes, like I grew up, and it's still this way to this day, uh-huh. where everybody you talk to that's a family member. And many close friends, you say, all right, love you, Dad, love you, love you too, bye. I know, for me that was like, <gasps> he said, I love you. The problem is, well, it's not the problem because this is how I was raised. And I know a lot of my friends in Poland, we just don't say I love you much. When you say I love you, it's kind of like... <laughs> you don't have to say you love me. Exactly. That's a, yeah. You have to show that you love someone. Like... I know my mom knows she's loved by my dad, and my no- mm-hmm. I know my dad knows that he is loved by my mom. But I, I honestly cannot remember even one incident that I would hear them say "I love sure. you" to each other. And it's, it's not weird. because they don't love each other. No, it's, it's just, just a, a cultural cultural difference. Difference. And it would even be culturally, it, it would even be different within the country of Poland. 
you know, d- oh, different I'm backgrounds. Oh, I'm sure, I'm sure. And so, especially nowadays with the Western influence, I'm mm-hmm. sure young people are saying I love you. Throwing. A lot more than they but used again, to. But again, like my parents always told me, like, don't say I love you to your boyfriend. Because, you know, you may have a boyfriend, the next day you may not have a boyfriend. Sure. And you said I love you, it's kind of like commitment. Mm-hmm. So when you say I love you, mean it with all your heart. You yes. know, and save it like really for a special person, for your husband or whatever. Amen. And then just for me only when you say that's right. You remember when you were going to work and not even looking at me, just uh, as you were closing the door behind you, like, "All right, I love you, bye." I'm like, you don't even mean it. You don't even look in my eyes. Say it like you mean it. So sometimes you were coming back, putting me like in a tango, maybe across your knee. Maybe this happened. <laughs> maybe it didn't. Maybe she's right. Then I fed you some cabbage. <laughs> yes. No. <laughs> Let's leave the cabbage. What I think it boils down to is this. I think it's doing both. Mm-hmm. I think it is proving your love with action. Love is an action. Yeah, we'll um, talk about the love languages in the next absolutely. episode. Absolutely. But it's also saying it. Yes, absolutely. But the words will be empty if you haven't shown. And again, look, I love you. But now look, I'm looking in his eyes. Mm -hmm. I love you. Wow. I know. (laughs) That's powerful, folks. It's going to be a good month. Thank you for listening today. And uh, I love you. We love you. We love you. We mean it.